Welcome to the heartland of America, as the World Wrestling Federation presents the first ever King of the Ring extravaganza. Tonight, eight of the toughest superstars of the WWF will bang heads in a grueling single elimination tournament to determine once and for all who is the King of the Ring. Welcome to Talking Tourneys number 12. I am one of your hosts, Sam, and with me per usual is Dan. Dan, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, man. How about yourself? I am doing lovely. Thank you for asking. On this episode, we are going to be talking about PWG's DDT4 2015. And to do so, we have a special guest, Tim from Q and T R Tim, how you doing? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good, Sam. Excited to chat about this very uh, important show to me personally. Yeah, when wanted to have you on because we love you, but wanted to kind of pick a tournament that had some meaning to you and that you were interested in. And when I had that discussion, you said DD four tells fifteen. I was curious, why did you pick this tournament? It's the last DDT4, which I always loved the tournament. I was there live, obviously. Um, I was insanely into Trevor Lee at the time. And, you know, it was a big fucking deal for me emotionally, all that stuff afterwards. And this is the for sure last time that I ever smoked a cigarette was after this show. And I had already quit for like maybe a couple months before. But uh, I smoked one cigarette after the show, and so I know for sure, because I didn't keep track of when I had, had quit before that, like when I had stopped. But for sure, I know I had one cigarette after this show. Never again. Last time you were cool was 2015. Got it. Got it. Got it. Damn, you act like you don't know this. <laughs> um, Nice. Nice. Yeah, I, I saw this come across, and I was like, I have no recollection of this tournament whatsoever. Um, as my brain is, is mush, officially. Uh, Dan, do you have any recollection of this tournament? Is there anything that, have you seen this tournament before? I guess I'll just say. I had not seen this tournament before. I definitely watched the YouTube PWG preview they put up of it. Um, I like uh, Ethan Page and uh, Alexander a lot back then. 
I was a really big fan, so I was really excited for them to you know be in this tournament. And I remember following along with the results, and just I never got to the show. It doesn't have, if I recall, it doesn't have great, you know, reviews at the time. People weren't enjoyed with it, so I just never got around to watching it. Yeah, which I thought was complete horseshit. And I also was a Monster Mafia like psychopath at the time. So that's another big part of it. Them winning the tag team titles absolutely fucking put me over the moon at the time. And then obviously what happens, but we'll talk about it when we talk about the show. Yeah, you're Now, do you know that, Sam, do you know that in October 18th of 2016, you asked the entire wrestling Twitter universe, what is your favorite wrestling tournament? Be specific with year and such. And Tim immediately said, PWG, PWG DDT4 2015. That's very funny. Fuck yeah, I did. I actually thought this was recent because I like was just curious. So I was, you know, right before the show, I'm putting it in Twitter and seeing if there's, you know, what pops up. And I'm like, oh, they recently talked about this. I'm like, oh, this is no, six and a half years ago. Nope. It's very this, funny. Like I said, this has always stuck with me and I had never rewatched it until now. So... We'll talk about how my opinion is of, of it now. Uh, we'll find out. It's your favorite tournament. Full time, so. Uh, this is, that's very funny. That's a good bit. Dan, you are the best investigative journalist, journalist in the game. Truly. We got to. What I do. Yeah. Yeah. We got to get your Patreon started. Well, real quick there about Dan's uh, investigative <laughs> journalist abilities uh -oh. here. Uh I have a question. I was gonna. I was like, okay, this podcast needs to be like kind of evergreen because we're recording when we are uh, before the Super Bowl, just so everybody knows. Um, and I know that it's not going to come out like tomorrow or anytime soon, right? So, okay, if I'm going to derail the conversation, I got to derail it with something that's not uh, topical. Um, Dan, did you happen to notice that the tournament that you guys reviewed on the last episode of the show happened to be reviewed on this same very podcast network? Same very podcast network. I I don't I did not, I guess, at the time. <laughs> Sam, I guess you didn't realize I didn't this either. either. Oh. Me and Quentin reviewed the same WXW 16 carat that you guys just recently did. Uh, towards the beginning of the pandemic, um, when we were looking for stuff to review, and really uh, yeah, and your guys' takes um, are fucking ridiculous comparatively because I went back and re-listened to ours, and I cannot believe um, you guys were just so down on so many things that were great, including Sammy Callahan. I'm kind of shocked that Sam didn't appreciate how good Sammy was in that tournament. I don't know. We both had him worker of the tournament, and I true, scored the highest true. tournament we've ever reviewed. Oh, okay. Well, there was something about it that I felt like you guys were lower on it than I thought it deserved. Sam didn't me like Quentin... Sammy Callahan and David Richards, which I think is crazy. Yeah, that match fucking ruled. Um, but yeah, we went uh, for nearly two hours on our conversation about the tournament, um, and, uh, and we were both over the moon about it, and it felt like uh, Sam was a little bit lower on it than he should have been. Uh, but I did not realize, Dan, that you gave it the tournament uh, that you guys... I, I forgot that you said it was the best tournament you've reviewed. So you gave it a so four out of five, fair yeah. Fair, fair enough, fair enough. You are correct with that. Dan with the hot takes, me with the cold takes. Per usual, per usual. Yes. All right. But yeah, I, when I heard you guys talking about it, I was like, <laughs> no. <did> <laughs> 
No, 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 no. It's funny because I, thing. I name drop your podcast before. Like, I talk about how I listen to it. Yeah, and yeah. Like, I don't like listening to it before the show and yada, yada, yada. I guess I just completely skipped that that episode. <laughs> well, it was May of 2020, it says. It, so it was right when on. the pandemic hit. Yeah, no one yeah, likes There was nothing else going on. During that period yeah. of time. So we were just like, I don't know why we were like, we have to keep doing a podcast. Let's talk about old stuff, which Sam knows that I famously have told him multiple times I don't like talking about old shit. <laughs> um, so <laughs> the fact that we were doing that was like, uh, you know kind of kind of weird but uh, that was a great tournament either way uh let's talk about this one <laughs> uh yes so let's roll through the lineup real quick before we get started as we referenced earlier we have monster mafia of ethan page and josh alexander there is biff busick and drew gulak trevor lee and andrew everett the beaver boys of alex reynolds and john silver team tremendous of dan barry and bill carr Inner City Machine Guns of Ricochet and Rich Swan, Matt Seidel and Mike Bailey, and then Joey Ryan and Candice LeRae. Interesting field, mostly be- because my recollection of the beyond talent of the Your Boys team's tremendous is not incredibly rich during this period of time. Um, but Tim, do you have a recollection of what your thoughts were immediately kind of going into this tournament back in 2015. Oh, I mean, I was insane. And like I said, insanely hyped because DDT four was always kind of my favorite tournament. Bola is great, but I loved DDT four. I loved the tag team wrestling thing. And they had kind of started to build. They were clearly trying to build up the tag team division to replace that. The young bucks weren't there constantly, which they even reference on commentary here. Like that. The young bucks are, international stars at this point they had won like every odd year ddt4 that had happened or something close to that basically um they were winning every other year for a long time they were starting out with the titles and keeping them all the way through all that stuff and uh they were in new japan more and they weren't around as much at this time um and they were kind of all over so they were clearly trying to rebuild a tag team division you know, Candice LeRae had single-handedly won the tag team titles by herself in a famously bloody matchup that a lot of people remember that I have admitted to um, on podcast audio before that I left in the middle of, um, which is one of the funniest things that I've ever done um, when it comes to wrestling. Um, and they had brought in like Monster Mafia, who at the, that time I was like insanely huge fan of, uh, like went fucking crazy for them. And so finally getting to see them in PWG, thinking that it wasn't going to happen. I was excited. They had started bringing in the Beaver Boys. Um, I think Team Tremendous, this is their their debut. And I think the only time that they really work in PWG. Um, but it felt like they were building them up. They had Love Gun, which was feeling like a um, like a tag team that was getting some heat and was going to be maybe built up into something. And unfortunately, there's a replacement here. Um you know, in what happens here. And then obviously the inner city machine guns who were stalwarts. So I was just like, Jesus Christ, they got this super hot, you know, tag team division that they're working on. They're uh, actually putting together like some great matchups here. Um, And you've got like a solid, solid tag team champions going into it. So I was like really, really into it. And then obviously there was a Johnny Gargano and TJ Perkins, which was, you know, a major seller for the show for me. Of course it was. Of course it was. Dan, what were your thoughts coming into this? And uh, you have not seen it. 
Yeah, I mean, I was at the point where I was watching PWG shows just, like, sporadically, so I probably didn't have as in-depth thoughts. Um, see, I think going in, it looks like a weaker DDT4, uh, you know, lineup, just because not the biggest Beaver Boy or Team Tremendous fan. Um, and you just, you know, whether you love him or hate him, like, just the Young Bucks are such, like, a omnipresent force in PWG that, like, it feels weird to not have him in it. You know, I understand they were busy, you know, and everything, but, but yeah, I probably, probably one of the reasons I skipped it, even though I was a big Monster Mafia fan, is just probably the lineup just wasn't enough for me. Yeah, my, I, I wasn't super into PWG at this time, I don't believe, that could be completely wrong, I don't remember 2015, I was mid-20s and doing, doing things I shouldn't be, um, but, yeah, Busick and Gulak, great team rick shea and rich swan i'm a big fan of them for i almost i prefer rich swan ar fox but what are you gonna do to see dub uh trevor lee oh, uh, animal yeah. collective I, I have to say it always love calling a uh, rich swan and air fox animal collective <laughs> it's a very uh, good name does it but but it's a great name and lee and everett obviously gotta love them Seidel and bailey inspired choice We'll get to them. Um, and then both Monster Mafia and Joey Ryan, Candice Ray. Not not the biggest fans overall, but you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? All right. Let's hop in to the tournament itself now. First matchup, we have the Beaver Boys of Alex Reynolds and John Silver versus Team Tremendous of Dan Barry and Bill Carr. Tim, let's get you started. What are your thoughts on this one? Oh, all right. Um, kind of a a ringer opening match, you know, in a way, because two teams who are really like well versed with each other have interacted a ton. You talked about beyond being beyond talent. Uh, both guys that wrestled not beyond like beyond talented or whatever, but the, the company beyond. Um, so they all they all knew each other, and they're kind of like I said, Stream Tremendous is debuting somewhat here in PWG. Beaver Boys on commentary they mentioned haven't won any matches yet so you're coming in here kind of maybe with a low expectation they're opening the show um and they i think they kind of blow it out of the water especially with like mixing the stupidness of the on the knees fight in the beginning um and following it up by like settling into crazy high spots towards the end they do the obviously the team tremendous stick they you know get the crowd all into that they um they yeah they they build up to basically what I think is the story of the tournament and what kind of makes this an interesting tournament in general, which is that like people might think like, Oh, it's PWG. So it's all go, go, go bullshit kind of, you know, wrestling. And I mean, in some ways it kind of is, but I think also that like, it's pretty easy to overlook like, Oh, there's no storytelling in the matches. It's all spots, but there is like a pretty clear, narrative overarching storyline to the entire tournament that actually has some depth to it that I think would can even be lost in people thinking like it's insanely subtle, which is just like a the heel team versus the babyface team and, and the way that it builds to the finals. Um is that the two main teams are a team where one guy is clearly, you know, a heel or one guy is clearly a babyface and the other guy is a heel or at least seemingly somewhat heel and the story of the tournament is getting to the end where like which way do you go as a team 
you've got like the clear baby face on both teams and then someone who could go either way and which way do they end up going. Um, and I think that that was kind of a unique story and they set it up here in the opening match with Ryan, not Ryan Reynolds, Alex, Alex Reynolds, um, who had a lot of heat in PWG f- specifically just because people decided that he kind of looked like Roderick Strong um, and Roderick Strong was the greatest heel in wrestling at this time, which is also something you have to keep in mind when talking about PWG at this time period is that we were in the midst of Roderick Strong doing some of the best work in the history of wrestling, I think you could say. Um, and, uh, and, and Alex Reynolds was able to be a solid heel in this company just because of how much everyone hated Roderick Strong. What a fun bit that that's possible. It doesn't feel like there's any wrestler or promotion that anyone gains that kind of loathing from the audience. Right. Um, so, yeah, that, that's a good bit. I thought this match felt kind of like a, a circus show in some respects, that it was at times definitely goofy and trying just to be entertaining rather than through the sheer act of athletic performance. And then they eventually do get to that and do do some nutty stuff. But it feels like this is definitely a warm up in the sense that they are not, not in the sense that it is truly lesser of a match than the other ones, but more so they really try to get the crowd more involved here than maybe down the line, uh, just because of well, team tremendous as an act is just tries to be entertaining in a more general sense. So I thought this was good. It's maybe a little long, I would say, at like 20 plus minutes. But what are you going to do? That's where we're at. Um, but no, I think when you get Bill Carr doing something with Josh Barnett trying to get his love and affection in the crowd, that's always a good time. But yeah, I, I have no real complaints about this other than a little long in the tooth. But hey, in the live event atmosphere, I'm positive that would have been absolutely 100% overshadowed. Uh, Dan, where you at? I think I'm lower on it than you two. Um, all that stuff about Roderick Strong sounds good, but maybe they don't like Alex Reynolds because he is not good. Uh, right. <laughs> that's just my, this is my theory. Um, I, I don't hate this. It's, it, it was fun. It is, it's definitely way too long. I mean, it's actually only 17 minutes, but it definitely feels over 20. Um, and I, I, I feel cranky saying it, but I just, I, I don't love comedy in my tournaments. You know, it's, we're here because we take t- wrestling tournaments too seriously. So I'm okay with it, but I just, I want, I want them to try to win. Now, having said that, there was a lot of fun spots. There was a lot of great stuff. The crowd was into all of it. Um, everything that uh, Bill Carr hit was awesome. Um, so I, I definitely liked it. I just don't think I'm near as high as it as you guys are. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. That is definitely fair. I think Dan Barry is better. I think better than he gets credit for, but not as good as he thinks he is kind of, which is one thing about him that I kind of has always. <laughs> oh, been. I totally get that. <laughs> yeah. It's like everyone like kind of writes him off, but it's funny because you watch him and he's a decent, uh, decent wrestler. And one thing that was funny was Chris Hero shouting out, um, watching Dan Barry on the, the, the Jersey J cup vhs that he had or whatever and that did play into the the review of that me and quentin did of the wxw tournament that i just listened to um because we talked about in there we talked about colt cabana cm punk 
Prezak and Hero all being wrestling nerds who studied tape and had a bunch of tapes and all this stuff. And and here he is on this on this commentary that I'm you know, listening to saying the same thing about some like obscure wrestling tournament that he uh, that he remembered Dan Barry from. But uh, but yeah, I'm, I I get where you're coming from, Dan. But, you know, it is one. It's tough because I was in the building. So it's infectious to me. I, I enjoy it because I was there. And, and comedy wrestling always is way more fun live. It just is. Um, yeah. And then this match, I didn't notice as much of this match as I do the next match. It's only the hard cam, right? Uh, yeah, that's pretty that? much all I've seen. Yeah, I, I didn't see any of the floor cam shots for the entire show, which is a weird thing that happens sometimes at PWG um, where you can see the, the floor cam person there and they're definitely filming, um, but for some reason you just never get any of that footage on the, P- on the DVD. Um, and, you know, who knows why that happens uh, other than it's, you know, other than basically them just being lazy or something weird happened to the footage or whatever reason, you know. Well, they get the DVDs out so fast that they don't have time. It's true. Come on. It's lightning Come on. quick. <laughs> I, I only noticed them using a different camera during the finals. And even then, they'd do it at the worst possible angle to get this really cool spot. But yeah, most mostly a hard cam. Watch this on the award-winning High Spots Wrestling Network, by the way. All right. Next up, just I mean, whatever you have to say about the High Spots Wrestling Network and their production and, and their camera and all that, they, they, you know, the crew still deserves to get paid. You know, shout out to, uh, to the <laughs> number one indie in America. Let's say. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, and to finish this one is Alex Reynolds getting a schoolboy pin on Dan Barry after they hit a doomsday slice bread number two on John Silver. So they're moving on. Next up. Biff Music and Drew Gulak versus Ricochet and Rich Swan. Dan, where you at? Um, this one again, I just I wanted to like it way more than I did. Like these are probably two of the teams I was more excited for. Like I would expect them to go deeper in the tournament, and here they are, you know, meeting in the first round. And it just it didn't feel like there was a whole lot of story here. Like it just it felt like they went 20 minutes, but they didn't have I mean they obviously have 20 minutes of stuff. Like that's the thing. Everything looked great. I mean, Busick is so wild and so stiff, and everything he does looks great. And, you know, Ricochet and Rich Rowan are, you know, just perfect with the high flying. But it just felt like a lot that led to nothing, in my opinion. I think I'm there with, there's a lot, and probably a bit too much. That'll be a lot of this tournament, quite frankly, for me. That said, like, I really like how this is kind of plays out as far as the well-oiled machine that is Ricochet and Swan against kind of the two bulldozers of Biff Busick and Drew Gulak. The difference between one group acting as a unit and the other one acting as more individual shared interests. And for that, it works. I really love Busick and Gulak, and I think they are great at being bruisers in there. And I think Ricochet... Rich Swan are more than capable of taking it. That said, because it's so long, it does have a little bit more give and take than you would kind of hope from that development. But what are you going to do? I kind of come in with the expectations that there is going to be a certain stylistic component to a lot of this that might not jive with my typical sensibilities and try to kind of work through that. You work with what you have um, with PWG kind of amongst this era i do want to call out rich swan's bump off the back body drop from biff Busick. 
where he does a full-on flip, and it looks marvelous. I love it. He's complete shit. It's great. Tim, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I think I I can definitely see where Dan's coming from. I probably agree with it. This is inner city machine guns were like the kind of the 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 star attraction for the tag teams for like you know the uh, the gift wrestling of this era for PWG. It was like check out this insane shit that they do, and they hit a couple obviously spots right like that where they just the the offense going boom, 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 fireworks over and over again. It's out of control. The crowd loses their mind. Obviously, that stuff happens here, but nothing nothing as good as, like, AR Fox and Samurai Del Sol, right? That gift sequence that, like, is infamous, basically, with just how insane, how long it is, how smooth it is, how perfect it is, you know what I mean? Like, the, the, n- never get anything like that. Part of it, too, I think, Dan, you know, talking about expecting more from these guys, and it's, I think it is something to... Gulak, in his run in PWG, just never seemed like he got comfortable at, you know, anything, really. He just always felt like, in the beginning, when Gulak first showed up in PWG, I remember it vividly, especially because in the crowd, we got uh, defense, we got people, a guy trying to stand up for the honor um, in the different boy, Jimmy Lloyd, uh, trying to defend CZW against the the hordes of PWG fans that were basically talking shit and not really liking Gulak. It's weird to think about, but at this time, the PWG fans were like, "Fuck Drew Gulak because he's a CZW guy," and like that's it's really weird to even think. But like a lot of people in the building were like, "It's bullshit. Not a good company. DJ Hyde is a fucking prick. Whatever. Blah blah blah. It's all bad wrestling." Nothing good happens there. And there was a lot of really stupid fans in the building that that's the way that they felt. And they got all over him from the jump. And like I said, I always just remember that Jimmy Lloyd was in the building as as a fan and was like defending CZW for uh, for Gulak and Biff at the time. Um, and he just never, I don't know if he just never got out of his head or just never figured it out. But like, really, Gulak, he had a couple good matches, but never really got comfortable and felt like you were getting like the best of drew gulak that you got in like an evolve or a czw or even beyond never got to see any of that in pwg and this was an example of that it's just like even at his best in here he felt like he was kind of really kind of pushing it and looking for neat stuff to do like they do a couple cool double team moves that just really feel out of character for Drew Gulak, in, in, including one that's just completely nutty, which was a uh, European uppercut from Biff into oh, a German suplex yeah. from Gulak that looked like Ricochet landed on his fucking top of his head and shoulders so nasty. Um, and commentary puts it over as like Ricochet was attempting to do a backflip out but got over-adjusted or whatever, and it was just brutal. And then there was a burning hammer thrown into a, um, a European uppercut to the back. That was another thing where it was just like, I don't know, it just doesn't feel like Gulak, you know? And that was, I think, the problem is that Gulak just was not comfortable being Gulak in PWG and never got there. And uh, I, think I think that's, that that's fair. Of- even, uh, even the Drew Gulak-Timothy Thatcher match from PWG, I remember being, I, you know, I was obviously really into those matches, like the, the lesser of their matchups. Yeah, I absolutely loved it in the building, and I remember going crazy about how much I liked it. But yeah, that was kind of the take from a lot of people was that it was not. It was like a bad match from both of them, and oh, this PWG crowd is not going to get behind Timothy Thatcher. Is DJ Hyde still 
own CZW? I don't think so. I okay. heard someone recently talking about it like someone else does, but okay. I don't know. I don't know. I couldn't say for sure. Okay. Sorry, I had to ask the important questions there. Yes. I think Dragulak needs less of a crowd, you know? If people are cheering, yeah. that's a detriment to him as a performer. I that's mean, what, it's weird because it's that's why like I heard he, he did really like, great during the Thunderdome era. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, it seems, seems like, like all of his okay. peaks are based around mm, crowds are hot. Right. Yeah. No, the crowds are down. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, I guess that's it. I guess he just doesn't do good in front of a hot crowd. Uh, you know, when every feels, feels like, hey, if I pander, maybe I'll get a, a pop. If there's no one to pander to, right. it's just him doing his own shit. Who's to say? Who's to say? But all right. Moving on. Ricochet and Rich Swan. There's your winners. Next up. Trevor Lee and Andrew Everett versus Matt Seidel and Mike Bailey. I thought this match whipped. Tim, say you. The, I, it's a really tough debate for me because my... You know, and I don't I shouldn't give the spoiler right now, but my gut instinct wants to say that this is the match of the tournament. Um, and I haven't even completely decided yet, but it really feels like it. Yeah, this was what you wanted out of this. This was, again, just like the opening match, setting up that storyline with the, you know, the the baby face, the clear baby face and his partner who's maybe maybe a little bit willing to go dirty you know he's he's a little bit less uh he's a little bit less um clean and you get it here when Sido's looking for a springboard off the middle rope and Trevor pops up pushes down the rope fucks up Sido's back and that really switches the momentum of the match and really switches the tone of the match which i thought was a really cool little like a little spot there um to again to play into that storyline andrew everett the clear baby face but trevor i don't know and at this point i had even kind of said like people were in love with trevor they thought he was this big star in pwg obviously he was he became this huge star and i always said even at this time i'm like we don't fucking know this guy he doesn't give us anything about his personality he just wrestles good and you guys have all decided that he's a baby face and even from his first match when he debuted in the in the in the three-way he was somewhat heelish towards um cedric alexander so i was always kind of like uh yeah like you don't necessarily even know that this is like a this is a babyface wrestler you guys are all just deciding that he's a babyface because you like him and i was waiting for him for the shoe to drop for him to be an asshole so we get a little tease of that here um eventually he does become the heel that i always knew he was meant to be um but yeah i i absolutely adored this um he's he's taking he's also even trevor is taking some spots from ace royal uh doing uh the the body block to the ground grounded opponent that that uh big ace royal always does um you know and is famous for that so it's kind of funny to see that now and think back to this time that no one was watching cwf and he was doing you know cwf moves from other wrestlers here in pwg get it to get over and you know obviously the way that his his story moves on from there but yeah this was Exactly what you wanted. I mean, insane fucking spots, insane sequences. Matt Seidel being just as great as he is. Speedball Bailey doing doing what he does. Fucking lung blower into the Ultimo weapon spot looked just fucking amazing. Um, the finish was out of control. Like, I think 
it sucks because I don't think that they do it on this tournament, but um eventually Trevor Trevorit Trevor and uh, Everett hit the uh the assisted uh 630 a lot cleaner. But here on the finish here it's a little it's a little off the you know it's a little bit off, it's a little wonky, but still fucking nuts. Um loved them I doing actually, the Go ahead. I actually think the camera angle helps there. Where I, I don't it doesn't look like it totally hits, but it's close enough that I think it works. Yeah, that's that's for sure. That's for sure. Um, loved loved uh, Speedball and Trevor doing the spot on the apron to not just because it's a cool spot, but because it harkened back and played off of their history with their singles match with each other that had the insane spots on the apron. So yeah, just adored this in every way. You could say, oh, it's all fireworks, it's all stupid, but like I said, there's a ton of actual psychology there, like, in the narrative of the match, and then also something like that, where it's just, like, a callback and a reference to their history with each other, which is the kind of thing that you can say, like, oh, these kind of guys don't do this, or whatever, they're not like that. One thing I missed on the previous match, I want to just go back to a commentary note. Um, at one point, Hero was talking about Claudio Castagnoli having Kramer hair. At one point, he said he had the Kramer hair, and he kept saying it, and I was like, this is... I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. Claudio never had hair like Kramer, right? Um, so then I looked it up to see what he was talking about. The thing, what he meant was Costanza. He was confusing George Costanza and Cosmo Kramer um, because Claudio had George hair, Costanza hair, which makes more sense when you think about Claudio, right? So yeah. And either way, uh, that those are my thoughts on this match. <laughs> That's very good. That's very good. Um, oh. Dan, I I loved it as well. Um, Heck yeah. I think Matt Seidel is really, really good as a tag worker. I mean, I love, I mean, he's stuck with AJ when I first, when he first came in the Ring of Honor, the Dragon Gate stuff, Kofi in uh, WWE, and even now what he, what he does in, uh, in the AEW when they have him with Dante Martin and stuff. I think he, he works great as a tag team. And I also think that it's great. I think there is a really good story. I mean, he, he plays a really good babyface in peril, which is, which is awesome that he does because he's clearly the most established guy and he takes all the heat and lets Mike Bailey get the hot tag. And I think they, Matt Seidel takes the pin too. So like, I mean, he, he, he gave everything for this match. They all did. They all look great. Um, I remember not liking Mike Bailey as much back then, but he looked good here. I mean, he came in with a great hot tag. His kicks looked awesome. Um, and yeah, you brought up that spot that he's the, the Eric Royal spot that Trevor Lee does with that. That's the way he does it is heelish. Like the way he does a lot of his moves are heelish. Like he just has like a, a energy about him in this match. Um, but yeah, I agree with with everything Tim said pretty much. This this was this was really really great. Well, there we go. I don't have much much more to add. I just Trevor Lee and Andrew Everett are an incredible team. They just function so well as a unit. Matt Seidel going to go down as one of just the all-time great tag workers without maybe a single peak tag team. You just throw him in there and he can instantly make Air something. Devils with Matt Seidel. Okay, well. Air boom. Fuck. Air boom, man. Everyone Come shut on. the fuck up. Everyone shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> and Mike Bailey, he's pretty great. Pretty great. Uh, some would say he used to be better. Um, as in, this is the best version. All right. Here we go. Some would say that he was the tw- 2022 wrestler of the year. Jesus. I don't think anybody on this podcast would say oh. that, but there are some people who would say that. 
Who's saying this? I started to look, I started to look around the room. <laughs> is Quinn saying this? Yeah, right. Who's saying no, this? No, 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 no. People, okay. people on uh, people. people who do podcasts on uh, on Fightful, you know. Those okay. People. Okay. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, moving on. Last match of the first round here. Do we have to? Monster Mafia. You know. <laughs> <laughs> what, Tim? What? <laughs> I I mean, it's it's fair. It's fair. It's like it's tough because it's a match that has a fucking sex criminal in it. So it's like, okay, yeah, let's just skip it. But also, you know, in the moment at the time. I was like insanely hyped because, like I said, Monster Mafia win the tag team titles at the end of this, and I fucking love it. You know, it's hard to not remember it as a positive in that regard. Otherwise, yeah, this is like it's crazy to say that this is too long when it's like one of the shorter opening round matches. Um, but like it's just yeah, there's just a lot of nothing here. And uh, either way, continue on. All right, all right. Monster Mafia versus Joey Ryan and Candice LeRae. Joey Ryan, sex criminal. Um, it, it's worth bringing up how funny it was. Well, not funny, I guess, anymore. Because Michael Elgin is probably just not in a good way. Um, but the way he said, I can't believe you guys got someone fired from Disney. Which, honestly, I had forgotten about completely. But a very funny bit that everyone was yeah. able to collectively get Joey Ryan fired from his day job. So... That's a win in my book. Yeah, match is kind of nothing, I thought. They do the Roderick Strong interference, and then it still keeps going after that for a little bit. And I was like, well, let's just let's just finish it off. Why do we got to do the whole rigmarole here? I And the Roderick Strong interf- interference is awesome. Yeah. His running is great. Someone say, Roderick Strong, great yeah. wrestler. Yeah, at this time, I mean, the guy was just at the next fucking level. Everything he did was amazing. Yeah, sort of untouchable, sort of untouchable. Tim, what was the feeling of Monster Mafia winning and capturing the titles? Well, like I said, I knew I was losing my fucking mind. I was losing my mind just when they came out to the ring. I was just, like, so amped because I I fucking loved these guys. At this time, this was, like, one of my favorite tag teams in the world. I was so fucking excited that they were here in PWG now. They're, They're kind of getting established, whatever. Assume that they would lose, you know, that's cool. You know, we'll move on from there. Um, when they won, I, I was going fucking crazy. And the crowd, Ethan Page, you know, he is what he is. I think I've always liked Ethan Page. I think, honestly, solid tweeter, solid internet Twitter guy. And here is why a lot of people might say, you know, there's all these problems with him, this, that, and the other. Number one, uh, he responded to my very funny tweet about how uh, he made more money doing an advertisement for Tony Khan ROH than he ever made working for ROH. So that's, you know, aces in my book. Number two, created, was involved in creating one of the all-time best tweets uh, in wrestling Twitter history, which is retweet me outside or retweet me in person. Um, Ethan Page was the one that cr- that made uh, TJ Marconi say that. So, got to love his Twitter presence just for that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I like his wrestling company. Like, A1, he books a lot of good shows, like, good, good matches and good wrestling there. All this stuff to say, like, just clearly a guy who's just never going to make it. Like, not to say make it, but he's never going to be as big of a star as he seems like he could be and he thinks he should be. Um... But that said, just a great wrestling career. 
um, a great guy in general. And it'll be cool when he just, like, retires and is an agent or whatever. Like, good for him. And when he becomes, like, you know, basically Arn Anderson level, that'll be cool. Uh, maybe Jamie Noble, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, so I was super amped at them winning the tag team titles. But, uh, but you know, like, that was that. Here's another part of it that's tough is the world's cutest tag team. I mean, people fucking absolutely loved them. Not me. I was not into it. I even said I left during the match where they won the titles. Like, I was just not into it like everyone else was. So people were losing their mind for, for the match and for everything that they were doing. But watching it now back on tape, it's like... This was like a mass hysteria situation going on where people just absolutely adored this tag team. And it was really just that they liked that Candice was getting to do something that felt like more legit than anything else she had gotten to do at this point. So it was like that was kind of really what the whole thing was about. Um, but yeah, I don't even know if I answered your question or <laughs> where I'm at anymore. Or Sam, let's continue. I guess let's just uh, move <laughs> I think, on. To we'll put a bow on that one. I think we're good. Well, yeah. Yeah. That, yep. that. That will take care of round one for DDT4 2015. Moving on, they make it painfully clear that a lot of time has passed going into yes. the next match Beaver Boys versus Monster Mafia in the semifinals. Tim. Okay. What are your thoughts? Um, so, yeah, something in the ring had broke. Um, so it took him a while to, to get into the match. Um, intermission obviously was meant to go there anyways, and then takes a while, finally get back, you know, don't know, obviously don't know what the story is, what's going to happen on the show. So just thinking, all right, Monster Mafia, clearly the heels, they get the help from Roddy to beat the world's cutest tag team. They're going to go into the main event against Trevor Lee and Andrew Everett, um, as the heels, and then we'll see where they go in general, but that's what makes sense, right? That's the that's the only thing that's going to happen here. Then you get into this, into the match, obviously, and, and that's not the story that we get, and what you get is, like, the crowd still continues to be into John Silver, um, which I think never really changes, even towards the end, but they do somewhat, like, somewhat turn on the the Beaver Boys as a unit, especially with Alex Reynolds, even more just really disliking him for looking like Roddy Strong um, and just being a prick. And, and as Stan says, being a bad wrestler or whatever. Monster Mafia, somewhat go face, but not necessarily. But the crowd, I think, was getting behind them um, when they were beating up Reynolds, and then they would pop huge for big comebacks from Silver. Uh, I mean, this was this really did feel like setting the stage, setting the story in motion, like I said, that continues with the with the tournament and was not necessarily a um a great match, <laughs> is how I'll put it. Uh succinctly. Like the match was fine, had some cool spots. They did their stuff. Monster Mafia looked better here than they did against World's Great uh, Cutest Tag Team. Um and so yeah, and then with the finish playing off the way that they did was kind of funny because you could tell the crowd probably would have booed if Alex Reynolds got the win with the belt, but then you turn around and have Silver do the same thing and the crowd explodes for it. Um, obviously, the crowd is just hot for a title change, but also like that they want so they like Silver. So it's kind of funny to see that happen that way, where the, it's like the crowd is the crowd is like cheering for a heelish move and what's clearly meant to be like kind of a, a tease for the for the final and for the finish. Uh, but because it's Silver and they like him, they, they cheer for it. The shoe is on the other foot here. I think I had some issues getting into this one. 
mostly just because they did a lot of outside the ring business to start things off. And as we discussed earlier, primarily hard cam, which makes it a, a wee bit difficult to tell what the heck's going on as commentary is going off and trying to explain the action. Still doesn't really do justice to kind of the whole King Caboodle here. But yeah, it feels like this is sort of okay. We've hit the semifinals. Let's throw a little injection of storytelling into the mix here to get us into the finals. More of a setup than its own proper match at the end. Uh, as far as like having real meaning, it, it doesn't really add stars to the spreadsheet here. So yeah, it's kind of a man match. Unfortunately, Monster Mafia didn't feel like they got to show out as much this tournament. And Beer Boys didn't feel like they had to put in a huge effort here to bring the house down. Uh, that'll be saved. That'll be saved. Dan, what are your thoughts? Well, I want to briefly get into my history with Monster Mafia. Uh, you know, I was living in Cleveland, AIW regular. And at one point, they basically became like a Canadian territory. Like Ethan Page brought two carloads of guys every week, every month, it seemed like. And since I brought up that six-year-old tweet of uh, Tim's, I believe the Sam and me history is our first podcast as a Wazim cast, or I right around this time, probably 2015, where I spent a long time defending 2015 Ethan Page in a J-Lit tournament to kind of bring it all for, full circle. And I am not going to defend him here. He looked terrible. Uh, he looked really, really tired. Vindicated. Yeah. I still think some of the AIW stuff holds up. We don't, we don't, have, to, we don't have to watch it to find out. And, uh, yeah, in the same way, I, this wasn't even enough to really go, you know, or get excited about it. We couldn't see a lot of the crowd work. And I know the idea is that, like, the Beaver Boys kind of turned Monster Mafia faces, but, like, I just saw Ethan Page shove Candace's face in his ass, his bare ass. So, like, I, I don't know. It feels like it's a heel heel semifinal, which is weird. Yeah, it just yeah, it just didn't didn't really work in a lot of ways. All right, we will not belabor things too much. Well, I was, I mean, a good transition from that is like you talk about it's weird to have a heel heel semifinal, and then you compare it to a babyface babyface semifinal right after. Which I think had problems for being babyface babyface. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like. Yeah. Trying to be a little bit too cute with the booking, but maybe it does play into what I was talking about where you did have a little tweener-ness there, but maybe trying a little bit too hard to do the tweener and not just do the, the straight-up storyline that makes sense. Um, but yeah. Uh, sorry, Sam. I no, let's get into it. Trying to help you with the transition. Yeah. Let's do it. What do you, who do you want to start? Tim, get into it. Trevor Lee and Andrew Everett versus Ricochet and Rich Swan. Okay. In, way more impressive... Trevor Lee, Andrew Everett match physically, athletically, the spots, the crispness, what goes on here, the way that like Trevor Lee hits that over the corner dive just feels like out of fucking nowhere. The pop up shooting star to the floor is just a nutty spot. You talk about Trevor Lee and Andrew Everett, just how good they are as a team. Um, the way that they're able to pull that off. God, it's such a <laughs> it's such a fucking bummer with how good. Everett is right now in DPW and how good Trevor clearly still is doing whatever he's doing in NXC and all that, that like we can't get these two again in any way. 
I mean, around this time, they had like the match of the year, CW, the CWF match with against each other. They've got this tag team run that's absolutely phenomenal. Like these guys are so great together, and it does not feel like their paths are going to cross anytime soon, right? Um, but yeah, like just perfect execution with that. We get some of that inner city machine guns insanity, just the nuttiness, all that stuff back and forth. But I still think the speedball Seidel match is better because you get a lot of the craziness and the spots and all this, but a lot more storytelling psychology, like you were talking about with the Seidel baby face selling, um, really putting them over as the next big thing. It's interesting because in the, um, in the inner city machine guns match with Biff and Gulak, there was a weird spot where in the beginning on commentary hero is like, is there any more athletic team, you know, than, than the inner city machine guns and Excalibur is clearly trying to like say, well, Trevor Lee and Andrew Everett are really, you know, athletic and, and cool. Like, so there, I don't know if that was teasing, trying to like warm you up to be excited for the matchup between the two, or if it was Chris hero trying to, or if it was Excalibur trying to not make Chris hero put up, put over a different team rather than the one that's going to win the tournament. Um, but then when we do get the matchup between the two teams, it does feel kind of like, okay, you like you teased us on the idea that these two teams are so incredibly athletically gifted, and then we get it. Um at this time, Rich Swan was doing the you know the Vader big like clubbing blows thing, and he was doing the freak out corner spot attack. And him doing that with Trevor, I thought was a great spot because of the way that it was kind of set up. I think it kind of sucked that Trevor kind of shrunk because he was firing up into it and seeming like he was going to stand toe to toe with, with Swan and then just kind of gave up and took it. And I kind of wish that he hadn't done it that way. Um, but all that said, like I said, the phenomenal match, but one that does not necessarily like stick with you just because it's a lot of cool spots, a lot of cool action, but not much of a story, but I guess kind of really what you want to see from this. Um, or kind of what you predict and expect from these kind of teams. Um, and again, another really sick looking finishing sequence from Trevor and, and Everett. But, uh, but again, like nothing, uh, I don't know, nothing, um, nothing that like I would say, like deserve to be like, go rewatch, go check this out. When I would say like, go check out the other match, the other Trevor Lee, Andrew Everett versus Sidon and Mike Bailey. I would actually say like, people should check that out just to see, how good all four of those guys were back at this time. Yeah, this match feels a little bit like what people that were down on PWG would say PWG was all about, in the sense that a physically impressive match, but maybe not a good match. Um, it's kind of how it came across. You do have Andrew Everett hitting the Falcons arrow, so you get the bit. You get the bit, which is always a good Good little little joke there. Um, but Dan, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'm similar, and it, it wasn't a long match, but it just feels like a match that, I mean, what, you're two, three minutes in, and you're getting two or three corner dives. Uh, it just feels like it could be shorter. Like, if it was just maybe just short, sub-ten minutes, show off all of these spots, maybe that's something I can get into more. Like, you're okay with not having a story there, that that is the story, but... But yeah, this started off, and, then, and we're skipping over the starting off with like the weird dance contest, which I've already said, like, you know, maybe I'm an old curmudgeon, maybe I'm taking it too seriously, but it's like, it's a semifinals for a tag title shot in the tournament final, and like, we're just having a great old time. Um, I think, like, it's, it's tough, because once again, it's one of those things where it's the PWG thing, where like, 
everyone looked great. Like Everett hit that uh, uh, springboard shooting star to the outside. Um, just everything looked awesome. It just there was just it's just there was no story. It was just move, 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 and that just tires you out after fifteen minutes. There we go. There we go. All right, we're moving on now to the non-term, the two non-term matches. Um, Dan, can I pass it over to you? Because I actually do not have this written down. It, I think we brought it up earlier. Was it Joe, uh, Giant Gargano versus DJ yep. Perkins? Yep, that's yep. next. All right, Dan, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be transparent, folks. Did not watch this match. I am so so sorry, Dan. What are your thoughts? Well, this is tough because I already went against my Ethan Page, and now Johnny Gargano is you know. Oh you know, no! Mr. Sorry, Cleveland just, in the mud. Yeah, I, I know mean, you're an AIW guy, but I thought maybe you were at least like smart enough to realize that Gargano always sucked. No, I I loved him at one point. In this match, I mean, again, I'm not gonna do. We don't have to rewatch the AIW. I'm now kind of off the idea of doing a JLIT for the show because it's gonna <laughs> ruin all my memories. But this match is mostly Johnny Gargano bracing and looking for every single spot that's coming. Um. And that's pretty much it. I mean, they roll around, they do a lot of mat wrestling, none of it means anything. And then it's over 12 minutes later. I don't know if Tim has more thoughts, but it's just nothing. And it's just Gargano looks so yeah. bad, and this just makes no. me sad. No, I mean, this was the, the peak, 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 because you don't, you can barely see me a couple times here in the crowd, but uh, I had my whole section of people, in, and when Gargano would come out, we would all stand up and turn our backs to him. Um, so it's like, I there was no way that I appreciated the match at the time when he when he gets the finish and it's kind of like a a variation of the um, Gargano escape with the leg so it looked a little bit like an STF uh, I believe I started chanting Gargano sucks to the tune of John Cena sucks um, <laughs> because like it kind of looked like an STF um, but yeah like go, looking back on it it's just like goddamn like i absolutely hated gargano back then and it was like kind of irrational because now that i watch it i'm like god there was a whole nother reason to hate him um which dan you called out there is just how fucking cheesy everything came across how out of the moment he came across how much like he just did not feel like he was in a fight in any way just not a, even slightly um that said, I mean, that's also the crux of, like, the biggest issue you can ever say about TJP. He's one of these guys who I've, like, kind of made this reference multiple times to uh, to Ricochet and, like, Artemis Spencer guys who are just too fucking smooth to where everything they do looks so effortless and so easy that it makes it not feel like uh, a real sporting competition because, like, nothing goes that smooth, right? Like, and that's, like, kind of the TJP fucking ethos. That's been his thing forever, but... It's so it's really impressive and fun to watch, like how smooth he is and how everything goes in between. But it just it ruins the concept of what this is supposed to be. It's like so postmodern that like I can't even appreciate it. So. So, yeah, like Gargano just really felt like he was out of his depth and he was like in there with like a re with the real big boys. And he was just like, oh, like you said, he's just like he is. He's fast enough to keep up, but he's not confident enough to know that he's fast enough. So every time he's second guessing like, Oh shit. Oh shit. Where's he at? What's coming? What's going on? He's not ready for it. He's never getting to like what they say, flow state, right? He's it's never like, in that moment. Where, yeah, go ahead. It's what we talked about with Drew Gulak, but like times a hundred, like he is so uncomfortable. Like that, you use that word. Like he's, you can see how uncomfortable he is. 
Yeah. And like, it's, like it's, not in a fight. And then there's TJP who's just putting on like he's just doing a demonstration. Yeah, he's too comfortable. It's never yeah. not uncomfortable, no not way too comfortable versus like like just completely uncomfortable. It's yeah, and it's not a good mix. And um, I, I've talked in the past on the podcast about how I uh, coach tumbling and the spot where they do the uh, he- uh, handstand into you know being on the guy's shoulders. I see that every single Friday, and that would be the like thirtieth best one I've seen done. Like it's <laughs> <laughs> like it just it just well like I don't know. Yeah, yeah again, I like I guess I don't watch much modern WWE, so you know Gargano's in my memories, and I'd like to keep him there. That's, that makes sense for me. Um. I want to move on to the PWG World Title three-way match here. Um, talked about Roderick Strong being untouchable at this time. I assume Sam hasn't seen it, so I'll let him just continue on with his break right now. Um, Fair. Where we get Brian Cage and Chris Hero versus Roderick Strong. This was kind of the idea that the company was throwing two different kinds of monsters at the champion that they hate and that they want to get the title off of him. Um, but you do it in this setting. It's <laughs> in some ways, you know what you could compare this to? This is like Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Kane and the Undertaker. <laughs> um, this is the the, the storyline equivalent of what you're trying to do here. Um, obviously, Cage is Cage. I think I heard, and I don't even want to do that. I this is not the place. I should not do my my typical axe grinding from other podcast things. I heard someone talking about cage and saying like, Oh, he's good enough for what he does and all this. And then referred to like, you know, you just send him out there and you're going to get a four star match. Oh, <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck are you talking? <laughs> star ratings are just completely in the mud. They might as well not exist anymore. I stopped doing star ratings over the past few years that people have noticed. I just completely do not do them anymore because they're meaningless to say that a guy like Brian cage is a solid hand. You know what you get with him, and you send him out there, and time after time, you're always going to get a four star out of him. You know, just a normal four boy, nothing special. At that point, just like pack it in. There's no fucking point to giving star ratings anymore when you're saying like a, a four star match is just an average Brian Cage match. Um, either way, this it didn't for me. I always I hear people talk about the like the tropey three way match where it's just like two guys in at a time, blah, 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 whatever. I just, it's always hard for me to even understand what that really means. I don't know what, how my brain works, but I just don't really ever like see that kind of stuff that other people get so upset about. Um, that said, like, I thought that Roddy did a really good job of being a heel in a three way and he was picking the bones and he was letting these two monsters like fuck each other up and then coming in there at the right times. And the most apropos example of it is, he runs in and grabs Cage in the middle of doing the superplex off the apron, um, hits him with the uh, the backcracker. The uh, um, what do they call it on your neck of the woods, Dan? Are you in an Arabian backpack uh, a country or or Taliban backpack? I think is what they call it. Um, <laughs> oh, I don't know that. AAW. Um, but uh, he hits that and it causes Brian Cage to low blow uh, Chris Hero and just kick him square in the dick, which I thought was just an amazing spot. Um, all in all, yeah, I mean, this was, like you said, Roddy can't, can do no wrong, but this is not <laughs> the peak Roddy PWG title defense. But, uh, Dan, what did you think? I actually think, you know, I might be a little higher on it than you. Um, I had the same thoughts on Brian Cage. Um, I think the guy that they're always talking about when they go, you know, big guys shouldn't do the spots because then, you know, you know why are the little guys doing it? That's Brian Cage. When he does the 619, 
it embarrasses me. I hate it. Um, but I, I, I like this match a lot. I mean, Roddy is on fire and Chris Hero is Chris Hero. And it was, it's like you don't see it a lot. Roddy is the heel and he's smaller and he's not a chicken shit. He's just smart. Like he's not, he's like, he's, 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 he's out, he's out smarting them. He's not, you know, running away. I mean, he is, but it doesn't come off like he's afraid. It comes off like he's just more intelligent than, than them. And everything hits is so good. And, uh, it did, didn't, it felt like it was like the exact right length. I mean, I know it was over 20, but I mean, they kept me interested the whole time and told a good story and it put Roddy over. Um, yeah, I, I liked it. Yeah, and I, I did not mean to like undersell it to say it was bad, but I'm just like we're talking about a guy who's having an all time title run here. Um, and this was this kind of felt like a everyone wants to see Roddy. He's the champion. We're going to put him on this show. That's really a tag team tournament. Let's not burn like a big matchup. So let's do a three way. So people still feel like they're getting something. But uh, but we're not burning like a bigger a bigger matchup, like I said, uh, and just doing a straight up singles match. And I think probably both these guys had already challenged previously in singles matches. So you just do it as a three way. It's something there. And again, like you said, it's great. I even I said it was great. Roddy, like I said, picking the bones, I think fits into kind of what you're saying there. Not a chicken shit, but again, outsmarting them, coming in at the right times, hitting the right moments um, either way. And I think that this is the match that is where they get the picture of for Chris Hero's shirt that was pretty popular, which was the uh, Death by Elbow shirt that had the zombie Brian Cage getting hit with the Cerebral Cortex smash. Oh, it, it is, is this match, yeah. match. Yeah. 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 Either way, uh, Sam, take over your podcasting. The things that matter. The t-shirt. Finals. Trevor Lee and Andrew Everett versus... Beaver Boys. I know I haven't talked a little bit, but I'm still going to dish it off. Tim, you are our guest. This is the finals. Ooh. Where are you? Yeah. Um, again, this is where we solidify the story we've been telling throughout the entire tournament. This this is why this is the only match that really makes me question what's the match of the tournament. And a lot of that is because, like I said, this is the culmination of, of the story. Um Alex Reynolds might suck. Alex Reynolds might be shitty. All the stuff. Here being just a complete fucking prick. People, everyone hates him. Has no redeeming qualities because you don't even want to see him wrestle. I think actually worked in mocking Andrew Everett selling the knee injury uh, is fucking chef's kiss. This is the PS de resistance for Alex Reynolds. I mean, this guy, like you were saying, like he sucks. He's gotten kind of lucky that he continues to have a career at this point in the dark order um which is just it's just so odd that he's even fucking there but it comes down to hitching his wagon to john silver who's insanely likable insanely talented and people love him you know and and continue to love him i don't know if they're ever going to realize that they don't fucking need alex Reynolds, which is nuts to think about when you realize that AEW fired player dose to grayson like, oh, we don't need both members of the Super Smash Brothers, the Dark Order. But for some reason, they kept Alex Reynolds? You don't need both members of the Beaver Boys. Like, why are you cutting actually a good wrestler who's like, oh, we don't need both members of this tag team, and you're keeping this guy? But either way, that's not the point of this conversation. Um, Andrew Everett selling 
is fucking amazing. Trevor Lee on the apron, and you can pick up a little bit and hear a little bit on the on the audio here, but again, it, live in the building, I will never forget Trevor Lee on the apron in the corner saying, come on, Drew, come on, and just rallying for Andrew to get back into this and living and dying with every fucking attack on the knee that they bring to Andrew Everett here and just prowling the apron, walking back and forth like a fucking caged animal. I mean, it's perfect. He brings back the low bridge on the springboard to, to shit can um, John Silver, and that sets up the hot tag. Perfect fucking, again, the storytelling, building that through the through the tournament. But here now, it's like, okay, earlier on, it was like, that was a weird kind of heel move to do to Matt Seidel. What the fuck? But here doing it now, it makes perfect sense, and you completely are in love, in love with him for it. Huge fucking hot tag, amazing, insane energy, crowd losing their mind, absolutely love Trevor. Um, but then the Beaver Boys cut him off, go into another heat, a small heat segment into Trevor. Um, I mean, goddamn, like, you know, people talk about the Southern tag, right? Which I don't know if necessarily the South really deserves credit for it, but that's just what it's called. We'll just leave it at that. Um, but the Southern tag structure and how you do it right, and these two guys, the North Carolina boys. One weird thing from commentary. At one point, um, they're talking about what the tag team name should be for Trevor Lee and Andrew Everett. And Excalibur says the Tar Heels. <laughs> and uh, Chris Hero is like, no, I shouldn't call him that. And then eventually later on, um, Excalibur says the Tar Babies. And nope. I'm sorry, but. Excalibur should be canceled. I mean, this guy with the stuff that he said. <laughs> but yeah, that was okay. I was just what the fuck? Uh, you can't say that. You really cannot. Even in 2015, you were not allowed to say that. You know, when he says it, you can tell that Hero thinks. I don't think you can say that. <laughs> yeah, and they because like a notable noticeable pause. Yeah, well, they cut off the audio because it was at the end of a match. So it's the last thing he says before they cut oh, the video. Oh, that's what did it. That's funny. I didn't even yeah. put that together. So it's like you could have cut it a second or two earlier and not <laughs> gotten that audio on the video. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was that was a weird one. Um, how do we feel, Dan, how do we feel about Andrew Everett selling this amazing knee selling that he's doing in this match, but he hits a 630 centon in the middle of it? Uh, not great. Uh, yeah, it's not the best, right? <laughs> he does that, and then he, he he chooses the kick a lot, which I feel like someone smashed my knee with the with the chair. It's not something I do. Um, but yeah, I hate starting off with that because I actually do like the match pretty well. Um, I like the idea of the story. I wish I wish Everett would have sold it a little a little more consistently, or maybe even less, because like the thing is, he keeps going, he he keeps forgetting and then going back to it to it. That stuff always kind of annoys me, but I feel like that's been talked about in wrestling for you know a million years. We don't even talk about leg selling, but uh, what I really liked was Trevor Lee selling Andrew Everett getting hurt. He loses his mind. He starts jumping up and down. He, I mean, he's so good on the apron, like you were saying. Like I don't know if I don't. I'm deaf, so I don't hear stuff as well. The <laughs> like that. I don't. I don't. My brain doesn't listen to this stuff, so I don't know if I could pick up what he was saying. But just his body language on the on the corner is so good. And I think this is the match I liked the Beaver Boys in the most of their three matches. Um, I thought all their stuff looked good, and yeah, 
I thought, you know, unlike maybe some of their other matches, this told a consistent story. And uh, I just, what, what? How do you feel about the finish? I just, after all of this, after this whole show, just the the small package I, I finish, know. it's just such a, like, I know, it's just such a letdown. It's a bit cute. I know, but it was the story because they were building Trevor as the new Mister Small Package, and he was beating all of these PWG former champions with the small package. Yeah. So I didn't, I don't love it, especially not in hindsight, but like it, it really felt it was, it worked in the single settings and it was really deflating here. Um, It's like, like I said, I get why they did it. I get the idea behind it, but I don't think that like it necessarily, it really did not work in this setting. Yeah, my response to that is just like, I don't know, just have Lee win the match then. If you only want Everett winning with the small package at this point, it just, like I said, I was liking this match more than I thought I would. Like, I had some issues with it, but I thought the Beavers boys looked really good, and Andrew and Everett uh, really looked as good as he had the whole show, and then it was just over. And it's it's weird for a PWG match for me to be yeah. like, oh, I want more. Usually I'm like, I wish they would have ended it sooner, right. but I was like, I want more. Yeah, it felt like it came out of nowhere, and it felt like deflating in a, in a bad way, especially because it was like you wanted them to win, and you were like really rooting for them to pull this out. So it, you would have wanted something that felt more definitive, I guess. But yeah, I guess Sam, I should let you talk about the match. <laughs> no, I think you folks pretty much covered my general feelings here. I think it was good when it was good. It was not good when it was not good. Um, there are some key points where it feels like, okay, what are we doing here? Even oh, I like this is some of that that real good selling of it's spot on when it's going well, and then as soon as decides that it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, and that's unfortunate. But I do want to kind of call it the spot that I was like, oh, okay, the Beaver Boys are full on. That edge is hard going on uh, where Silver Beals uh, Andrew Everett into a the ring post on the outside. And I was like, oh, that's that's just plain, simple, sick as heck. And I love that. And I was like, OK, now if, now I feel like I'm fully bought in on the Beaver Boys being a little bit edgier here as we are careening towards this finish. I think I actually don't mind the finish as far as like even I wasn't even deflated by it. As I thought it works effectively. I got why they did it. I thought it was a little too cute. But at the same time, I was like, okay, I like this actually in the setting of a tag team match. Of like, okay, your partner's sort of out of it. But he's got the attention of the other guy that was really slapping me in the face just a few moments ago. I've got the weak link here. Let me just snap this out real quick. Um, for me, that worked. It's like okay, I've done. We've done the work. We're here. This is our moment. Let's make it happen. So I, I actually don't have the same deflating feeling, but I get where that comes from. I can definitely understand why over there. But yeah, that's where I kind of land here. Do we have any closing thoughts on the finals before we move on to our award ceremony? Uh, my closing thoughts. My closing thoughts here are just looking over this review uh, from the time 
from uh, TJ Hawk. Uh, views from the Hawk Nest. He gives the opening match two and three quarter stars. Um, he gives the Love Ball versus Andrew Ever and Trevor Lee match two and a half stars, uh, which means that he thinks that it's a quarter star worse than the um, tremendous yeah. match. And gives the final two and a quarter stars. So, I mean, I can kind of see it. I can kind of see it. Other than giving the opening match such a monstrous score, um, I do not understand that comparatively. But I guess it's only a quarter star, so it's not that big of a thing. Um, closing thoughts. He was in Denver, Colorado's pocket out. at the time, just to be clear. True, true. That is fair. That is fair. Um, so he is going to give Beyond Boy the Beyond Boys and their offer match a higher score there. Yes. Um, yeah. Other thoughts on the final? I mean, just how incredibly excited I was coming out of it. Um, Trevor, Trevor Lee and Andrew Everett were my boys from CWF. I was like really, really excited. I already loved Trevor, but like did not really know what to expect from his career at this point. He had already gone through beating a bunch of former champions and then losing the the title match against Roddy, and it felt like the Roddy story was not going to end anytime soon. It's kind of interesting to think about where the Roddy story ends up going, because um, it does lead into the Zack Sabre Jr. title run, um, which obviously had its own kind of thing, and people were really, really into that as well. I don't know. I do wonder how <laughs> how you compare the Sabre title run to the Roddy title run in retrospect, because at the time I think people were really, really high on the Sabre title run. But I think if you look back on it and compare it to the Roddy title run now, it probably pales in comparison. Um, but either way, coming out of this, it felt like, OK, they've got a direction for this guy. They're going to do something with him. Obviously, he's great and like they're going to focus. And then, of course, that is not what happens. Because you follow this up, I think, with a mystery vortex type show where Trevor, <laughs> Trevor and Everett come out um, and act as if they're going to just wrestle each other um, and start locking up and starting the match, even though they're tag team champions. And then the Young Bucks come out directly afterwards um, and then it's okay. Oh, obviously. Oh, that makes sense. It's the tag team titles. Um, it's not going to be the tag team champions fighting each other. It's going to be, uh, the young bucks and the young bucks just beat them for the titles. And with this tournament and how exciting and great, everything felt coming out of it. Um, and that you had this team that felt like something, like the next thing you do is just like completely deflates it. And it does kind of make sense that they never brought DDT four back because you just completely like shit on it here at the end of this by just being like, yeah, it doesn't matter. The young bucks are the, are going to win the titles and the young bucks are the champions and they continue <laughs> and to be it. And the only thing that matters to the point where like now PWG feels like it doesn't even exist anymore because the young bucks are gone. Like really, you can look at it and see as soon as the Young Bucks are gone from PWG, everyone just stops paying attention to the company. And like, I know part of it is also like the pandemic and everything else. But really, like that was a big part of it that like once they were gone, there was just nothing left. And it, and it, it is obvious when you look at this, like why? And then am I wrong that the Beaver Boys don't do much or come back at all? 
I don't think they ever come back. Most of and these then, tag teams don't ever come back. Well, because Josh is hurt. So, like, the Mosh right. Mafia is almost done here. Uh, and then Beaver Boys don't come back. I don't... Team Tremendous comes back maybe once. Once, yeah. So, it's like you have this whole f- tournament where they, I don't think Matt Seidel and Mike Bailey keep teaming. So, it's like you have this whole tournament set up with these fresh tag teams. And it just... Yeah. It's all done, you know, next show. Done. Yeah. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. So Sam, that's the uh, that's the last takeaway from the tournament. P- DD4 2015 hot bottle episode. Here we go. All right, moving on to our award ceremony. Here we are going to start off with match of the tournament. I'm going to get mine out of the way first, so I cannot be called a poser. It's going to be Trevor Lee and Andrew Everett versus Matt Seidel and Mike Bailey. And we've all alluded to it. Pretty great darn matchup here. I think it really encapsulates a lot of what made Trevor Lee and Andrew Everett such an effective team throughout this tournament and kind of just is a real... I have all the matches here. I would say, hey, you don't really need to watch the rest of the tournament, but watch this. I think it kind of puts a, like, a nice stamp on what they did here. Dan... What's your match of the tournament? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a poser. I know. Yeah, I knew it's it that immediately. Match. It's I, that match. I had to say it because I knew. One, yeah. Tim already alluded to it. It might be his. Let's get to it. Tim, what's your match of the it's tournament? It's a sweep. We got to oh. get the sweep. Bring out the brooms, everyone. I mean, it well, is. It's just I, I want to <laughs> give the final it, but it's just it's just not. The final is the emotional match of the night for me in the building. Like I said, being able to hear and see that amazing work from Trevor on the apron is like this is why when when Dan looked up that tweet and of Sam saying, well, it's the best tournament. It's it's that it's the emotional resonance that came from Trevor working the apron for Andrew on the on the heat. But looking back on this and using my science brain and being like, you know, being meticulous and being a an accurate star raider um, using that <laughs> objective <laughs> observer style you know opinions on things it's love ball versus trevor like that is the match of the night all right no obvious you know follow my footsteps all right i actually we didn't clarify something and i think this is our first two yeah this is our first tag team tournament yeah uh (laughs) so i have my answer written down already and i put a single wrestler but okay. like, if we're doing a tag team, that does change it. I think. Now, when you Possibly. say that, you mean that they're not married, right? Yeah, and I'm just, I'm going to shoot my shot. <laughs> there, yeah, there we go. There we go. It might it might? Well, it could be a polycule situation. <laughs> uh, Dan, how about you? You tell us who is the wrestler? Trevor Lee. Trevor Lee. Yeah. Okay. 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 I mean, I think okay. he's the best part of the best. Uh, it's him or Seidel. I think they carry that match, and I think he's the best yeah, part yeah. of the main event. So I just, it, it was pretty obviously him for me. I didn't really have to think too hard about it. I, Tim, are you going to go I, tag team or? I think I see exactly what Sam was thinking. It crossed my mind a lot. I was going to, I was going to even bring up exactly what you said, Sam, which is that like you guys have picked wrestler of the tournament based on the idea that it's a single entrant in the tournament right that one wrestler represents one entry in the tournament so maybe it would be okay 
to let it be a tag team because this is a tag team tournament. But I do Dan accept is it. Correct. Either the way. wrestler of the tournament is Trevor Lee. There is no question about it. I love Andrew Everett here. I want to say it's them as a tag team because of how good he is at what he does here. On top of the fact that, as I mentioned, I think that he actually had an amazing 2022 into 2023 already, has had a lot of good performances now, and want to retroactively give him credit. But but Dan is correct, and Dan is using the most the most non-biased Meltzer-style brain uh, by just saying, it's Trevor Lee. Clean sweep. One more time. I no feel man. like <laughs> we yeah. always do this, you and I, Dan. We're like, wow, we're really going to break the mold here. And then we end right. up with the most obvious take at the end of it. Just wow. <laughs> we, we watched the footage. We did the, the work. The tape says that the right answer okay. is still the right answer. That's how it goes. To be fair, I think that this was the year that I gave Trevor Lee wrestler of the year. Oh, so we're all posing on you. Oh. Well, no, no, no. Okay. I'm just saying. No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that you're posing on me or anything like that. I'm just saying. We didn't know that two years ago you did a podcast, the same <laughs> podcast network that we just did. There's no way we know who the wrestler of 2015 was. Yes, that is very fair. But no, but but my point just being that like this was a tournament that was built around the idea. Like we said, after this, they just completely retcon all of it and they're like, who fucking cares? It doesn't matter. Young Bucks are the champions. All the rest of this stuff is done. Like this tournament was based around the idea that Trevor Lee is the greatest wrestler in the world. And I prove it by saying, like, I gave Trevor Lee wrestler of the year this year. So, like, yeah, of course he was the best wrestler in this because this tournament was just built around doing something with Trevor. Like this tournament, the idea was just like, let's do something with Trevor and uh, and we'll go from there and just let him have a tournament to show off how good he is. Um, but actually, now that I look it up, it was the next year. Either I way. was going to say next year is when he starts the CWF run. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So it was actually 2016. But still, that was the idea. 2015, he was so good that they were just like, let's book a tournament so that Trevor can show off how good he is. And then it doesn't matter because... We'll just completely reset all of the storylines afterwards. Yeah, it feels like mission accomplished in the sense of, hey, if you want to show off Trevor Lee, this is a fairly good way to do it. Um, I think we should just move on to ratings. So I feel like we can get some more culminating thoughts here. Dan. What's your rating here? I really had, uh, what, I had a tough time. Uh, sorry, on one one clarification. We talked about oh. more. I did not, but you folks talked about a couple of non-tournament matches. Once again, as a reminder for folks at home, we do not consider those matches for our official talking attorneys ratings. All right, Dan. Sorry, I had a tough time with this one. Um, I went, I went with a two point five. Um, this, the lows are pretty low for me. I just think, like, in the sense of what I want to rewatch it. Like, I don't really want to rewatch anything that Trevor Lee's not in. Like, it's just not that the not that those people in those matches aren't good, but I just those are the three matches I want to rewatch. So that's four of the matches that I'm not want to. I don't want to revisit. Two point five. That's the Super Jacob ninety four score. Mathematically, that's correct. <laughs> I. That's such a good. Okay. 
when you say that like that, I do feel like <laughs> it does help make me go, okay, what did I, did I what did I rank uh, Jacob 94? You also gave it a 2.5. I, okay. It's 2.5 oh. then. That's, I think that's a very fair basis <laughs> for where I land on this tournament. Uh, I was thinking about giving it a little bit of a hair, but at the end of the day, it's like, okay, the matches that I didn't like, I, 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 I did not like. And even the matches I, I did like, uh, there's some pretty, pretty sizable flaws that were making it hard to go back to and be like, okay, as a whole unit of, of yeah. measurement here. What are we working with this tournament? I was like, okay, that seems fair. Super J Cup ninety four. There we go. That's the that's the basis here. That's the yardstick. Tim, the first official non Dan yeah. Sam rating. What it's is tough, it? right? Because because this is my first rating. I won't really be held super super hard to it because I won't have to continue to reference this rating to other tournaments until I'm back as a guest or whatever. Um, that said, I have to ask you again, unfortunately, because I was, uh, I'll say, adjusting some things. No, that sounds worse than if I had just said the truth. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's adjusting some things. No, I was uh, I was seeing a man about a horse. Is that the euphemism? Either way, yeah, yes, yes, um, yes. while you were while you were talking about uh, the situation, so the rating is based purely on the tournament matches. Yes. Yes. Okay. So Roderick Strong three-way match, which actually, I mean, if you look, if you really look at it, the non-tournament matches are kind of a wash. Yeah, so they cancel each other out in their mind anyway. Yeah, they really do. Like, um, that said, this is what we're gonna go with. I think that I told you years ago, according to Dan's search on, which actually took some work, Dan, because that was like probably three or four ats ago for me. Um, so the fact that you were able to find that is pretty good. Um. I will say that because this is the greatest tournament that I've ever seen, as far as I'm concerned, it's the best tournament of all time in the building. It was emotionally resonant for me in a lot of ways. Um, it was the last time that I thought something was good enough that I needed to have a cigarette afterwards. Um, <laughs> I do, I do say, you know what? I'm going to give this, what is it out of five stars? Yeah. So this gets a five star rating from me. Um, oh my God. But it's but keep here's me up at the here's the unfortunate thing. You do get a three star penalty for having a sex criminal on the show. So <laughs> the final rating comes out to two stars. Wow. 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 I didn't see it coming. Yeah, I didn't see it I mean, coming. Yeah. I didn't yeah, do the math on it's that a, one. It's really unfortunate. There's an asterisk on there, but uh that's or lack how it goes sometimes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um wow. Wow. You know, they never tell you about the six criminal penalty, but there it is in full force. Um, Dan, you and I being, I guess, sympathetic to this issue. All right. There we go. That's a wrap. That's a show. Here we go. I am Sam. You can follow me on Twitter at Cockery1992. Follow the We Don't Know Wrestling Podcast Network at WDKWPN on Twitter. Tim. Yeah, plugs. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at ROH Dutch, which is very funny because <laughs> you stole it. Bill Carr is on this show. <laughs> um, oh, man. And if you're on here, you know, you know the podcast because it's on this network. Dan, 
Where can we buy a house? Uh, you can buy a house in Ohio, West Virginia, or Kentucky if you DM me. And only if you DM me. I, I'm geography wise. Is this are the whole states or just roughly around where the intersection takes place? A- anywhere in the states, but I mean, wow. I don't, I don't want to drive five hours. Yeah, I'm being honest. That seems, that seems rough. <laughs> Could you make a special Southern California dispensation for me? Cause I've been thinking about it and I might try to cash out my 401k to buy a house. And I don't know if I can trust uh, save with Conrad the way I can trust you. <laughs> I would say that I'm at least as trustworthy. I didn't fair. sell me. Dan. Uh, all <laughs> right. Thanks everyone for listening. Catch you next time where we're going to be watching what Dan? Uh, Nintendo Top 10 Challenge from WCW 1992. What a hoop. What a hoop. Catch you then.